we all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com slash gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash gold in my early days i faced a pivotal moment in my career instead of following the herd into traditional finance i charted my own course despite skepticism i founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility through perseverance i established myself as a leading voice in finance proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed to get what you want sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail that's what harry's did seeing people tricked by expensive razors harry's took a stand Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harris.com slash gold for a $3 trial set. The Peter Schiff Show. As expected, early this morning, the Federal Reserve delivered on its highly anticipated emergency intermeeting 50 basis point rate cut. This is very rare for the Fed to go intermeeting. It's only happened a few times, you know, during the 2008 financial crisis. And a cut of 50 basis points in one move is also rare. That's only really happened during times of crisis. I think there was one 75 basis point move during the financial crisis. But other than that, the Fed tends to move in baby steps in quarter point increments. But today we got 50 basis points because that is exactly what the market was expecting. And so that is exactly what the Fed delivered. In fact, a lot of people thought the cut was going to happen on Sunday night or sometime on Monday. That's what was behind Monday's record-breaking 1,200-point rally in the Dow. It was all the Fed. Everybody was buying the rumor of a rate cut that they knew was coming. And you know what happened early this morning? I think there was some doubt, right? Because all of a sudden, we went a whole day. We didn't get the cut. There was no talk of a cut. And I think the markets were all of a sudden getting a little nervous that maybe they had priced in a cut that wasn't coming, right? And the market started to go down. In fact, we were down about 300 points early this morning, and it looked like we were going to keep on falling. And that's when the Fed came out and announced the 50 basis point cut, 
which immediately reversed the market and it rallied from down about 300 to up about 300. So we had about a $600 spike on that announcement. And I don't think that was just a coincidence. I actually think the Fed was watching the markets. They got a big move yesterday without actually having to cut rates. So they were able to talk the market up. And I think they were kind of taking the pulse. They wanted to see, you know, how much more bang they could get without spending a buck, right? But when the market started to roll over because the drug addicts weren't getting their fix, the Fed panicked and, and, and came forward with that hike. And the market rallied briefly, and then it got clobbered, and we were almost down 1,000 points. I don't know if we hit down 1,000. Maybe we did. But it looks like there was almost a 1,400-point sell-off between the rally and uh, the low. Now, we closed off the lows. We were only down about 785 points. Uh, so we didn't wipe out all of yesterday's gain. Now, we did take out yesterday's high and close lower, which I think is a negative bearish technical sign. Now, it wasn't a complete outside day. We didn't take out yesterday's low and close below that. So I guess technically it could have been worse, but it was still pretty bad. And again, just like I described in my last podcast, you know, you shoot your bullets at Superman and they bounce off his chest, then what do you do? That's the situation that the Fed is facing because no sooner did the Fed get the 50-point rate cut, they began pricing it another one. In fact, the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury today got all the way down to a record low 0.9. 0.9, less than 1%. Now, the target Fed funds rate now, after the 50 basis point cut, is one and a quarter to one and a half. That's the rate on overnight money, yet the rate on 10-year government money went all the way down to 0.9. Now, it didn't close there. It closed at 1.01, so just above 1%. Now, the yield on the 30-year not down nearly as much. We closed at one spot six three. So the yield curve, right, is steepening now, as I have been uh, expecting and saying on this podcast that I thought that a smart trade for traders is to be long the 10-year and short the 30-year. And that trade continues to work out like a charm, right, for people who have been putting that on. Again, I'm not recommending that anybody do uh, anything. I'm just making a, a point about what I think is going to happen. Obviously, there's risk involved in trading these spreads and using futures and leverage. So you need to know what you're doing before you do something like that. But the yield curve is steepening for a reason. But the fact that the 10-year moved down so much after getting a cut is because they're discounting another one, especially since the stock market rally was so short-lived. In fact, as soon as I heard about that rate cut, right, my initial reaction was they're going to need a much bigger rate cut. You know, just like the the, the guy from Jaws, we're going to need a bigger boat to catch this shark. The Fed's going to need a much bigger rate cut if they want to stop this bear market. But of course, I don't think there's a rate cut big enough to do it. I think the air is coming out of this bubble. As I said, the coronavirus was the pin. At this point, doesn't matter what happens to the pin. They can find a cure for the virus. Doesn't matter. Once the pin pricks the bubble, doesn't matter what happens to the pin. What matters is the air is now coming out of that bubble. And that's exactly what's happening. And, you know, there were a lot of people today uh, in the media that were, you know, kind of questioning what the Fed is doing. I mean, maybe they've been reading my tweets or listening to my podcast. They, you know, they won't admit that. 
but they're, you know, kind of say, hey, you know, how is this going to make a difference, right? I mean, it's not going to cure the coronavirus. And in fact, the Fed came out, they made a statement, there was a press conference with Powell, and but basically he said that the economy is sound, the economy is fine, but we're worried about the effects the coronavirus might have on the economy. And so just to kind of take out some insurance to guard against these economic headwinds, we are cutting interest rates. But what do these rate cuts have to do with the coronavirus? Nothing. I mean, there's nothing that these rate cuts are going to accomplish. I mean, it's not going to create a cure. You know, in fact, you had the president just before I started recording this podcast, he had a press conference after the market closes with some of his doctors, uh, you know, from the coronavirus team. And they're talking about how they're working on a vaccine. But thanks to the FDA and all of the trials, even if they have a vaccine that works, we're not going to have it on the market for another year and a half. Now, you know, you can thank the government for that. But meanwhile, you know, the market could get very sick. The economy can get very sick waiting for that cure. But that's not the point, because the rate cut is going to do nothing to accelerate that process. Right. No one is going to get cured by this rate cut. But also economic behavior is not going to be influenced. Right. If if you are thinking about taking a trip and you canceled your trip, right, because you were worried about the coronavirus, which is what's happening, right? People are not taking trips and therefore some economic activity that might otherwise have taken place is not taking place. And obviously, you know, the transports are getting clobbered because they're losing out on business, hotel, travel, leisure. These companies are getting clobbered, right? What does a rate cut have to do with it? Is somebody who had decided not to take a trip now that he finds out that the Fed cut interest rates, is he going to say, oh, well, now I'll take that trip. I mean, I'm not worried about catching the coronavirus now that the Fed cut interest rates. Of course not. Interest rates have nothing to do with the fear of catching the coronavirus. So it's not going to influence consumer behavior when you know it comes to how they're going to react to the virus. And it's certainly not going to cure anybody who's contracted the virus. So what is the Fed worried about? right? Because it's not the coronavirus. What the Fed is worried about are two things. One is the stock market, right? The stock market was tanking. That's what's worrying the Fed. And the reason the Fed is worried about the markets is because it created a recovery based on a wealth effect. That was by design, right? They pushed up the stock market so people would feel richer and go out and spend more money. Well, if the reverse wealth effect is taking place, if the stock market is crashing, well, then everything is going to work in reverse and that will cause a recession. It's not that the coronavirus might cause the recession. It's the stock market crashing because of the coronavirus that might cause the recession. So what the Fed is really worried about is the economy being impacted by the stock market and the rate cuts are designed to solve that problem, to push up the stock market. That's why the Fed is doing it, because it's worried if it doesn't do it, a bear market will result in a recession. So that is its worry. That's the only way the coronavirus really hurts the economy is by pricking the stock market bubble. And Powell doesn't want that to happen. So he's trying to put more air in it. But the other thing that Powell is worried about, or if he's not worried about it, he's even more foolish because he should be, is how much debt the U.S. economy has going into this next recession that could be caused by a big drop in the stock market, not by the coronavirus, right? The stock market coming down. What's going to happen is we have all this debt. 
Now, normally, when you have an expanding economy, right, uh, you pay down debt. Consumers repair their balance sheet. They pay off some credit cards, pay off their auto loans. They build up their savings. They have a nest egg, right? That's what's supposed to happen. Except thanks to the Fed, that's not what happened this time. Everybody went deeper into debt. We took all that cheap money and we took on more debt. The governments did it. Corporations did it. Individuals did it. So if we have another economic downturn, right? That debt is a much bigger problem than it's ever been in other recessions. It's likely going to cause a worse financial crisis than the one we had in 2008. And so to try to prevent that from happening, the Fed is cutting rates because it wants to make it easier for people who have debt to service that debt. And it also wants to help delay the recession that it knows we can't survive. You know, that's one of the reasons people are saying, hey, they don't have any bullets, right? They don't have that many bullets in the gun. So why are they firing them? And the reason they're firing them is because they know they don't have enough. If the Fed actually waits for a recession, they don't have enough rate cuts to to have a meaningful impact. So what they're hoping is if they fire their limited arsenal now, they can prevent the recession from actually taking place, which is never going to happen. At best, they'll simply buy some time and the recession will start later, but it will be worse because everything they're doing is exacerbating the problems. But getting back to the point where the Fed had no choice but to act. And I agree. As a public person, I am hyper aware of safety and security. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online. And it makes sure it stays offline. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web. And in the process, helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts will take it from there. Delete Me sends you regular personalized privacy reports showing what information they found, where they found it, and what they removed. Delete Me isn't just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information that you don't want on the internet. So take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom gold and use the promo code gold at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash gold and enter code gold at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash gold, code gold. Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. If the Fed's goal was to keep the stock market from falling, yeah, they had no choice. I mean, if they wanted to do what's right for the country, they had a choice. But if they don't give a damn about what's right for the country, in fact, you know, Powell in his press conference made a big deal about saying we're never influenced by politics when that's the only thing that's influencing them. If they cared about the country, they would have not been pursuing this reckless policy all of these years. But had the Fed disappointed the, the markets and not cut rates, Today's you know, 780 point decline might have been a 1500 point decline. It might have been a 2000 point decline. I think the market would have gone down more had the Fed come out and said, you know, we're not going to cut rates. I mean, you guys thought we were going to cut, but we're not going to do it. Had they done that, yeah, the markets would have been killed. So because they gave the markets what they wanted, uh, the decline was less. But that doesn't mean that you should give the markets what they want. I mean, yes, not giving the markets what the markets want would have been bad, but giving them what they want is actually worse. That is the problem because the markets expect the Fed to deliver on those expectations. So it's a moral hazard that there's a lot of excess risk taking in the markets because everybody expects the Fed to bail everybody out if anything goes wrong. And if the Fed constantly delivers on those expectations, if the, you know, the Powell put is in play, it's, it's a moral hazard. It is doing a damage to the economy. So the right thing would be to not deliver on expectations. But the more the Fed does that, you know, kind of like Pavlov's dog, and they're, they're training the market. Hey, if you push the market down, if you push bonds down, then you're going to get the Fed to cut because the Fed is afraid of disappointing the markets because they're a bunch of whips. And, you know, even after the rate cut happened, Donald Trump, already had his tweet ready. I mean, I don't know if he if he composed this tweet after the cut or if he just was sitting there waiting for it and just hit send, right, as soon as it came out. But this is what Trump tweeted. The Federal Reserve is cutting, but must further ease and most importantly, come into line with other countries' competitors. We are not playing on a level field, not fair to the U.S. It is finally time for the Federal Reserve to lead. More easing, more cutting, right? The problem is we already led the way into quantitative easing. We went to 1% first. We started that, right? We wrote that playbook and then the European Central Bank followed it because they were dumb enough to think that the play worked because they hadn't seen the end of the game. All of these fools were claiming victory. They, you know, put uh, Ben Bernanke on the cover of a magazine. He's the savior. Everybody was prematurely celebrating the success of the Fed's policy. The big dollar rally that we had in 2014 and 2015, the big sell-off that we had in the price of gold was all based on a premature victory dance that the Fed could do the impossible. 
that it could lever up the economy with cheap money and 0% interest rates and QE. And then somehow it could, you know, pull the rug out from under uh, the market and the market wouldn't fall. That they could take away all the cheap money, they could take away all the drugs, and the market would stay high as a kite. I kept saying that that was impossible, uh, but people didn't believe it. And even though I'm being proven right, people still haven't come to terms uh, with reality and what all this means. Meanwhile, as I said earlier, the reason the U.S. economy is in such a vulnerable position now, the reason the bubble is so big is because of all the easing and the cutting of the past. And now Trump wants even more. And of course, everybody forgets that when Donald Trump was a candidate, he was extremely critical of what Janet Yellen was doing to artificially prop things up. He was a critic of QE. He was a critic of 0% interest rates. He said that the Fed was doing political things that it didn't care about the long term. It was just trying to prop up a bubble to help reelect Obama. Well, now he's upset that the Fed is not doing enough to blow up a big enough bubble to help reelect him. He wants the Fed to do more of exactly what he criticized the Fed for doing in the past. This is complete hypocrisy, and it is going to come back to bite him in the election. But meanwhile, as the stock market was tanking, the price of gold was going in the other direction. Gold had one of its best days in quite some time. Gold was up about $50 an ounce today, so a little over 3%, almost as much as it was down on Friday. But the price of gold is all the way back up to almost 1640 In fact, we traded interday. We almost got back up to 1650 As I'm speaking now, up $50 at 1639 Silver was up about 45 cents. It's at 1717 The gold stocks had pretty good days, although when gold sold off, right, gold went down about 10, 12 bucks from its high, but it was never really up, you know, much less than 40 bucks, right? Maybe $37, so a strong day. But a lot of the gold stocks lost half their gains. There were gold stocks that were up seven, eight, nine percent uh, when gold was up 50 bucks the first time, but by the time it ended the day up 50 bucks, they were up half as much, maybe three, four, five percent. There were actually some silver stocks that were up five, six, seven percent that went negative. Some of them closed negative on the day, despite the big move up uh, in silver prices and gold prices. And despite the fact that this rate cut is decisively bullish for gold and silver. It's not bullish for stocks. Maybe some people think it is. And it's not bullish for bonds in the long run. Yes, bond traders are right to bet that the Fed's going to keep cutting and that's what they're doing. But everything they're doing is ultimately destroying the value of bonds and bonds are the biggest bubble we've got. And people are going to lose a lot more money in bonds than they're going to lose in stocks. They're going to lose money in stocks too. They're ultimately going to lose even more money in bonds. But despite the strength in the gold market, uh, you saw a lot of selling intraday. And, you know, I talked about this on the podcast I did yesterday. And by the way, if you listen to my podcast on YouTube, I put out a podcast last night about 7, 8 o'clock Central Time is when it uh, was made public uh, on Shift Radio. But the guy who posts everything to my YouTube channel just left it as restricted and forgot to make it public. I happen to wake up at like three in the morning. Uh, and when I, usually if I wake up in the middle of the morning, I want to check what's happening in the markets. But I looked at my uh, YouTube channel and I saw that that, um, that video had not been made public. So I made it public at three in the morning, four in the morning, Puerto Rico time. 
Uh, so a lot of people didn't get the YouTube alerts until four in the morning. So maybe you don't realize that I have another YouTube video uh, that's up there if that's how you listen to my podcast. So when you get the, the alert for this one, make sure and listen to yesterday's first and then, and, then, and then listen to today's. Yesterday, I talked about that big decline that we had in the gold stocks on Friday, where a lot of gold stocks were down eight, nine, 10%. In fact, on the week, uh, the GDX was down about 20%, which means that gold stocks did worse than just about any other stock you could have owned uh, during that week. And of course, a lot of people wanted to uh, poke fun at me. But on yesterday's podcast, I said that was a bunch of noise and that the gold stocks would all be making new highs long before the S&P. If it ever makes a new high, uh, the gold stocks will be making them quickly. And we're obviously, uh, you know, the last couple of days, we're, you know, gotten a lot closer uh, to uh, validating that forecast. But the reason you're seeing this is trading and liquidity because there is no real money yet that is moving into the gold sector. People still don't believe what's happening. I mean, they don't even understand it, let alone believe it. But you might ask yourself, who would have been dumping gold stocks on Friday just because gold is down 50 bucks, right? Who's selling gold stocks? I mean, do you think people who have been buying gold stocks for years and years decided to dump their holdings on Friday because the price of gold went down, even though it's still up 60% over the last four years? No, there were no long-term uh, gold stock investors that were dumping their stocks. I mean, I bought more. I bought stock on Friday. I bought more of my own gold fund on Friday. I thought it was a gift and I wasn't going to uh, look it in the mouth. I was just going to take advantage of an unexpected, you know, gift horse buying opportunity. But I think what does happen is you get some day traders that are trading the volatility. They probably bought into these gold stocks in the morning and then dumped out of them. Gold went down and they didn't expect it. Maybe they bought with some stops. You have these short-term traders that have stops in there and the stops get hit. And now all of a sudden there's a, you know, not enough liquidity. Maybe some short sellers got suckered into the market. I hope there's some people short these gold stocks right now because it's going to be very painful when they have to cover these shorts. But maybe there's some short sellers uh, that came in. Some hot money comes in. You know, some people all of a sudden, they, they don't know anything about the gold story. They've never been in gold and they see it going up every day. And so they buy some gold stocks and all of a sudden it has a $50 down day and they freak out and they dump everything. But it's because there's not enough trading. There's not enough volume. Believe me, when institutional money, when real money comes into the gold stock market, right? When the hedge funds and other big pensions and endowments, when they figure out what's going on and what they need to do, and they decide to move any type of significant or even insignificant, any percentage of their portfolios to gold stocks, look out. I mean, today's move where we were up, you know, nine, 10%, that'll be nothing. We'll, have, we'll be up 20, 30%, 50%. I mean, I bet one of these days, we're going to see gold stocks double on a single day, in one day. I bet that's going to happen at some point. But you know what? When that happens, I'm not going to be buying any gold stocks, right? Because I already own all my gold stocks. You know, I, I don't buy, I buy on the weakness. Do not wait for gold stocks to double in a single day to buy your gold stocks. Make sure you own all of your gold stocks when they double in a single day. That's why I'm trying to get people to get in now, you know, and tune out this noise, this volatility. This is just your opportunity to take advantage of what other people don't understand to get some of these stocks 
at what I believe are incredible bargains compared to where the price of gold is going to go. And of course, gold itself is a bargain because it's going much higher. But gold stocks are an even bigger buyer. But yes, it does frustrate me. I had, again, a conversation with a client who uh, transferred out his accounts today. Uh, one of them was one of the managed accounts that I've been managing. And, you know, again, every day this is happening. I don't think a day goes by where I don't at least lose one client. Now, the good thing is we're getting new clients, but I feel particularly bad for these clients who have been here a long time uh, who are just their own worst enemies. And I try my best to save people from themselves, hopefully by discussing uh, the circumstances on the podcast, I, I save a few more people, or maybe other people who aren't clients can become clients or buy my funds at Schwab or Fidelity or go to europecificfunds.com and can become clients and you know uh, make money off of the mistakes that you know, I am uh, recounting that other people are making. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I talked to this guy today and he has been with me for about eight years. And his response to me, I tried to convince him to stay the course uh, and tried to point out that the, the account has done well over the last four years that we bottomed out at the end of 2015. And so instead of looking at the performance from inception, needs to be looking at what's been happening more recently and understand why we did so poorly in 2014, 2015, because we had a huge rally in the dollar, a big drop in gold, all based on the false belief that the Fed could normalize rates and shrink its balance sheet. And I said, as all this is going to get priced out, you know, it's clear to me that we did the right thing. And so I'm trying to convince this guy. But what he said is, you know, I've given you eight years and that's a long enough time to prove yourself. And I'm just going to move on and I'm going to do something different. And after speaking to him again, something different is the U.S. stock market. And why does he want to invest in the U.S. stock market? Because had he invested in the U.S. stock market eight years ago, he would have more money, quite a bit more money, than had he invested with me, which is not a fact that I dispute. But I tried to remind the guy that he didn't want to invest in the U.S. stock market eight years ago. If he did, he wouldn't have sent me any of his money. The reason this guy sent me money eight years ago was because he shared the concerns that I had for uh, the U.S. economy. The national debt was too big. The Fed was too reckless. They were printing too much money, artificially low interest rates, the, 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 the trade deficit. A day of reckoning was coming. He was worried. He didn't want to be in the U.S. stock market. He wanted to be out of the dollar. He wanted to be in foreign stocks. He wanted to be in gold stocks. And that's exactly what I did. Now, the fact that eight years have gone by doesn't mean he's given me enough time to prove myself. He hasn't given the market enough time to follow through or the fundamentals enough time to play out. Now, I admit, obviously, I positioned this guy and a lot of my other clients, myself included, I positioned us for this collapse many, many years too early, right? With the benefit of hindsight, we know that. But the problem is you only have the benefit of hindsight in hindsight. You don't have it real time. And I'm trying to make this guy understand that I couldn't do it, that those eight years are irrelevant. The question is, what decision do we make today, given the data that we have today? 
And all the problems that this guy was worried about eight years ago are so much bigger now than they were then. It's not like the problems have been solved and he can say, hey, I was worried about the national debt, but since it's so much smaller now, I'm not worried. Or I was worried about the reckless monetary policy, but since we don't have that reckless policy anymore, you know, I'm no longer worried. No, all the problems have gotten worse. He should be more worried now than he was then. And eight years ago, he didn't want to buy the U.S. stock market. But why not buy it now when it's so much more overvalued now than it was then? The fact that eight years have gone by, all that means is he's lost patience. And that is the problem. He needs to be more patient because if I am right, the payday is actually going to be bigger because of the delay. And it's not my fault that he threw in the towel on a fight that he was going to win. And what makes it even worse is he takes this money out of stocks, and by the way, his account is outperforming the U.S. market this year, and it's you know, and it's outperforming uh, our category uh, considerably. He's not looking at that, but if he's going to bail out and take all this money and put it in the U.S. stock market, he's going to lose a bunch of money. But what's worse than the money he loses is the profits that he misses out on by getting out of my strategy. If I'm right and the profits are huge. He's not going to have those profits. He's going to lose a bunch of money. And the bigger problem is the money he doesn't lose, that's going to lose a bunch of value. So this is going to be a disastrous outcome. Now, I'm hoping, you know, that people don't ride it all the way to the bottom, that at some point they admit their mistakes and and do something to correct it before the loss becomes catastrophic. But I'm afraid that for most people, that's exactly what's going to happen because, you know, it's it's very difficult uh, to turn on a dime to do a 180. So once you make a decision, people are not going to reverse that uh, anytime soon. So it's probably going to be years. And unfortunately, tremendous damage is is likely to be done. You know, what people really need to do, and some of the clients that have been with me for a while, need to look at all the stuff that's happening now, all the stuff that's happened last year, and realize that all this is what I said was going to happen. All this is what all the supposed experts said couldn't happen, but it's exactly what I said was going to happen. And, you know, I was talking to this reporter today. I think he was a Fox guy. I was talking to him this morning and um, and he said, you know, Peter, but, you know, you've been saying this stuff for many, many years. So aren't you just a stop clock? I mean, that's the allegation I get quite a bit. You know, weren't you just wrong all these years? And, you know, now you're right. And I have to point out to this guy, Yes, I've been saying the same thing for years, but I haven't been wrong for years. I have been right for years. It's the other people who have been disagreeing with me who have been wrong all these years. And I pointed out the the housing bubble. I was talking about and writing about the housing bubble in 2002 and three and four and five and six, yet the bubble kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and everybody denied there was a bubble. Now, was I wrong because it didn't pop until 2007? No. The people who didn't think it was a bubble, they were wrong. The people who were making money on paper, who ended up losing it all in foreclosure, they were wrong. I was right for renting and sitting out the bubble. Yes, I was early, but I was early and right. Other people were late and wrong. And that's the same thing that's been happening now. The Fed has been making one mistake after another. They have inflated a gigantic bubble. 
and I've been warning about it since the beginning, and I have been right to warn about it. Now, has the bubble gotten bigger and bigger as I've been warning about it? Absolutely. Have people who don't know it's a bubble been profiting on paper because they've been in the U.S. stock market thinking everything is great? Yes, they have been profiting on paper. How many of those people are going to realize those profits? Very few because they are going to lose them. Either they're going to lose their money or the money is going to lose its value. I am going to be vindicated ultimately by the markets. I think I'm already vindicated by what the Fed is doing and what's happening in the economy. But yes, has the bond market collapsed yet? No. Has the stock market collapsed yet? No. Has the dollar collapsed yet? No. Has gold gone through the roof yet? No. I'm convinced as ever that all of those things are going to happen. They are going to happen bigger than ever because over the years that everybody thinks that I've been wrong, right? All of the problems that I've been right about have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And the Fed has done everything I said they would to keep the music from stopping, right? And keep the game going and keep blowing air into the bubble. But it all is going to end the way I said. The real crash is coming. And the opportunity is that we still have the ability to protect ourselves because there are so many fools out there that have been wrong for years that just don't know it yet. And when it finally happens, they're going to say, oh my God, nobody could have possibly predicted this. Nobody could have seen this coming, just like they did in 2008. And if someone says, well, Peter Schiff saw it coming, oh, well, he's been saying it for years. He's a stop clock. I've been saying it for years because it's right. And by saying it for years, I'm giving people a long enough opportunity to protect themselves, to profit from it. I can't do anything about the people that don't have the patience to see it out and that don't have the understanding and the wisdom to notice all the things that I have gotten right who are just focusing on the things that I got wrong and they're not actually wrong. They just haven't happened yet, but they will. But in the meantime, you could take advantage of the fact that other people are wrong, load up on gold, load up on gold stocks, silver stocks, get out of the US dollar. You know, if you have an account with Europe Pacific, send more money in quickly. If you don't have an account, open one up, talk to my brokers at Europe Pacific Capital, uh, europac.com, you know, or go to europepacificfunds.com if you're a smaller investor and you just want to get in to some of my mutual funds, in particular the gold fund. If you can take the risk, that's where we've got the most upside potential. Uh, and physical gold, you could always call at Shift Gold. Remember, today is Super Tuesday, or as Joe Biden likes to call it, Super Thursday. Anyway, you know, it seems like everybody is coalescing behind uh, the establishment guy, Joe Biden, uh, regardless of uh, his state of mind. Uh, they're all, they don't want to back Sanders, obviously, because, you know, they're not complete socialists like he is. Plus, they also know that Sanders is not a team player. He's not part of the establishment. They can't control him. He's a wild card, and he actually believes all the nonsense he's saying. A lot of these other Democrats know they're full of shit. They don't care. They're just, they just want to be in office. They just want to make money, and they just know what they have to say to get elected. But Sanders is actually dumb enough to believe what he's saying. Uh, so he's rare. He's kind of honest, and so that's what makes him so scary to the establishment. Now, they're claiming that their fear is that Sanders can't win, right? That he's going to lose. I think they're more afraid of Sanders winning. That's why the Democrats don't want Sanders on the ticket because they don't want him to win. They don't want to win with Sanders. I think they'd almost rather lose with Biden and have Trump in office and have a shot 
at four years than win with Sanders. But of course, they'll never mention that. And they don't want Bloomberg either because he's an outsider. He can't be bought. He might actually try to do something good. So they don't want uh, Bloomberg either. So the guy they have to uh, want is uh, Biden. That's why every single candidate who was dropped out to a man and to a woman is now uh, backing uh, Joe Biden. Now, the one person who hasn't backed out is Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, I kind of think that she is staying in to help Biden because everybody is saying, hey, you know, she's a fellow progressive, right? Like um, Sanders, why doesn't she drop out? She's got no chance of winning. So why doesn't she drop out and endorse Sanders? Well, here's why. If she drops out, she can't endorse Biden, right? If she endorses Sanders, well, then more of her votes will go to Sanders and that may help Sanders win. So I think Warren and Biden and everybody else knows that the best thing that she could do is stay in the race because she's likely to draw some of the support away from Sanders. And so she does more damage to Sanders by staying in the race than by dropping out and somehow endorsing Biden, which is something she really couldn't do and, and, and save face. She'd have to drop out and say nothing. But if she wants to be a team player and work with the Democratic team, the best way she can help the team and help elect Biden is to stay in the race and siphon votes away from Sanders. Mm-hmm.